What's everybody? Mm. Shit. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome to Story District Presents, a podcast for people who love live storytelling. I'm Amy Sedman, your host and director of Story District. Story District has been putting on live shows, coaching and teaching the art of storytelling in Washington, D.C. since 1997. Each week on the podcast, we bring you a story told on the Story District stage, and then you'll get a chance to meet the storyteller. Morgan, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, sure. My name is Morgan Givens. Um, I am a storyteller who stumbled upon it randomly, but it's been awesome. In this episode, Deal Breakers, you'll hear the story that Morgan told for the first time at Outspoken Story District's annual Pride Show. Enjoy the story and stick around afterward for our conversation with Morgan. I can remember the first time that I saw this woman. And if beauty could be quantified and contained, placed within one person, then she had it all. And I didn't see her for the first time, strolling towards me across a grassy knoll while sunlight filtered through the trees, highlighting all the accents of her hair. No, I saw this woman at the gym. And she was grunting, lifting weights, Rivulets of sweat running down her face into her eyes so that she had to blink them furiously to see, but she was the most stunning person that I had ever seen. But I didn't approach her there, not then, because she wasn't at the gym for me. She was there because she had some ideal for her body that she wished to attain, or maybe she just wanted to enjoy an extra margarita or two with her friends that night at the bar. And me, not wanting to continue to codify the patriarchy or take advantage of my male privilege, I left her alone. <laughs> but sometimes, she would look over at me and she would wave, and I would wave shyly back. Or she would smile at me and I made sure my bicep curls looked real good that day. <laughs> and I must have done an incredible set because she came up to me and she said, hey, can you spot me? Can I spot you? <laughs> Baby girl, yeah, I can spot you, is what I should have said. <laughs> but what I said instead was, no problem, bro. <laughs> bro, hmm. But I must have been the best spotter this side of creation. Because shortly afterwards, when we were finished and I was heading towards the exit doors, she came walking up to me and asked, would you like to grab a drink <laughs> with you? A woman, you the type of person I want to bring home and introduce to my mama, yes, bro. <laughs> but before I continue, now with the glaring reality of hindsight staring me so blindly in the face, the reason? The one true reason, the cross my heart and hope to die, bury me down by the seashore reason that I did not ask this woman out was because what if I did? And she said yes. And then she began to like me and I started to like her and a few days, a few weeks, maybe a month or so down the road, she would come up to me full of frustrated, aching need and go, I like you. I know you like me. So why are we fucking? And I would have to remove her deft hands away from my belt buckle, lift her nimble fingers from my zipper and go, baby, wait, baby, one second, baby, please. I ain't got no dick, boo. 
And I had never had that conversation with a woman before. And what if I did it wrong? Or what if I waited too long? Or what if I began to fall in love? And when she found out, what if she left? There were so many what ifs. But I wasn't thinking about that right then. No, I was excited. I know I broke about a million laws in the way to this bar. I was speeding, click it or ticket, what is that? I didn't put my seatbelt on and I know I was texting my best friend just to let him know what had happened. And when we got to the bar, the cacophony of sounds, the press of bodies, but I got us a table. We had a table. <laughs> and the two of us sat down and we began to talk over our drinks. And she was into me. <laughs> I could tell she was into me. She was leaning forward and playing with her hair, biting her lower lip, running her fingers down the delicate flesh of her neck. But here is the thing. I am a man of words. Words have been my salvation as long as I can remember. The light at the end of a tunnel I never thought that I could reach. Words lifted me from the valley to the mountaintop so that I could see. And I just needed to know if words could make her soul sing too. If it knew the musical harmonies of her spirit. And so I had one question. Just one thing I needed her to answer. And so I asked, what are your favorite books? <laughs> and she hesitated and I got excited because a reader, a real reader has more than one favorite book. They have more than one favorite genre. And here was this woman in front of me who had read so many novels, so many poems, that she couldn't pick just one. And she opened her mouth and she said to me, boy, you're so silly, I don't read. Pause. And just like that, her siren song became a banshee's well. And I found myself tossed into the sea of confusion, capsized, shipwrecked, and thrown onto the rocky shore of disillusionment, because how could it be? How could a woman as seemingly incredible as she sit here in my face and say, boy, I don't read? <laughs> and so I'm not sure if it was because I was no longer as attracted or as enamored, but I just said it. Well, I'm trans. <laughs> 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 as if my being transgender a secret of which I am not ashamed and her not reading a secret she should be incredibly ashamed of <laughs> were somehow equal and she said to me well what does that mean? Well, it means I was female assigned at birth and now I take testosterone and here I am. So you don't have a penis? No. Well, what happened to it? What, what happened to it? As if I got on the bus one day and set it down and forgot to pick it back up. Or I was sent marching off to war and I fell victim to a penile IED. My God, woman, you really don't read, do you? <laughs> but the thing is, she 
she didn't have a problem with me being trans. In fact, she would often say, well, I like you. <laughs> but after a few more dates, I'm the one that called it quits. Because the two of us, she and I, we didn't really go together. We didn't quite fit, and even still, if I could find this woman that my friends to this day call bookless, <laughs> I would thank her. Because if it wasn't for her, I would still believe that my relationships would end or fail to begin because of the physicality of my body, and that just isn't true. My relationships have suffered the same fate that all relationships do. Maybe I'm not into you, or you're not into me, or perhaps the chemistry isn't initially what we thought, what it seemed to be, or maybe we were just two people clinging to one another on an island of loneliness until we built our raft and found our way back to the continent of humanity, and then we parted ways. <laughs> and all of these things, they are far more than okay. And so, wherever you are, Bookless, Wherever you happen to be, thank you. Because now I have the courage to approach a woman and say, hello, my name is Morgan, and I love to read. <laughs> thank you. So tell us more about how the experience was actually putting this on stage, like performing in front of um, 600 people. For the first time ever performing yeah. and performing this story. Yeah. Telling that story on stage, it was kind of magical. I was like, wow. And, and also kind of scary to recognize that, that I could say something and get that many people to laugh or that I could say something and they would all gasp in, 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 in unison. Moving one or two people is one thing. Moving an entire crowd of people and swaying an entire crowd in the direction you want them to go emotionally um, I don't know. I think it just opened up a world of what I could do with words beyond what I had always thought I would just do with them, which was write them down and, and put them in books. So say more about that. Let's start there. You had never performed or? Oh, no. Uh, I had never <laughs> uh, done anything like that. In fact, I didn't really realize what I was getting myself into. But I come from a family of storytellers, um, just think naturally. We just always tended to tell stories when we were trying to explain what happened to us during the day. So my mom would be like, you will not believe what that cashier did today. That woman looked at me and she looked me dead in my face and she opened her mouth and my mom would like tell stories. She would like embody the scene and my brother does it and my grandma does it. And I think maybe within my family, I had been a storyteller, but... No, that was the first time I'd ever ever gotten on stage was um, the first time I ever told a story for Story District. What brought you to tell your first story? <laughs> Shame. <laughs> um, my friends, uh, they'd been teasing me because I tend to be a person who wants to stay in the house. I never went out with my friends. And when I did, they treated it like a random UFO sighting. Like, that's all they talked about all night. And uh, one night after we all got really drunk, uh, I went home and drunkenly pitched Story District and woke up to an email the next day saying auditions were that afternoon. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess I got to see this thing through. <laughs> and I think I was feeling a bit creatively stifled. 
because I was working on the police department at the time, and it's so strict and stringent, and there is no coloring outside the lines. There's no coloring in the lines. Um, There's no color. It's just black and white. So what made you think to tell that story? Um, So often the, the trans experience focuses solely on the transitional part, and it's like, yo, we have a life after that. Like, things happen after we transition. I really just wanted to tell a story that showed what happened after most movies and books kind of go the end. And I thought this story might be a good way into that because it wasn't super serious. And again, so many of the stories around the trans experience are very somber. So I wanted a story that would also show some of the lightheartedness of it and then also show that, you know, I can have standards too because... (laughs) As a trans person, we're often kind of expected to just take whoever will date us. And I was like, nah, it's, it's not working like that. So I wanted to ask more about this sh- story in particular because it's a, definitely a choice, right? You don't have to tell anybody you're trans except for maybe the people you date. Sure. You know, I'd love to hear more about this choice you've made. To tell stories that basically kind of out me. Um, you know, I, I moved to D.C., In part, you know, I joined the police department, uh, but the reason I came to D.C. when I did anything was because there were legal protections in place. There were protections in place that made it so I couldn't lose my housing or my job or any number of things by virtue of the fact that I'm trans alone. And there aren't a lot of cities in the country or states in the country, for that matter, that have those legal protections in place. But I know stories can travel. I know stories can move. And because of where I am, I felt you know, personally, a sense of obligation to kind of combat some of those stereotypes that people have about trans people um, and then also show them that you never know who's trans. You know, people often seem to think that, oh, they can look at us and figure out that we're trans. No, that's not the case, because that's all we're really doing when we look at anybody is we're reading them and we're just kind of guessing at what we think their gender identity is. Uh, So, yeah, I am generally read as a cis man. Um, because I can't afford the hormones and I do want to take them, you know? So I outed myself in order to do what I could to make it a bit easier or safer for people who cannot openly own their identities yet. But yeah, just because of where I live, I, I thought I should. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Okay, so tell us uh, what you're up to now. Because I'm all over the place. I'm working on two novels. I got two audio dramas I'm scripting. Um, and I'm scripting out a new podcast called Tough Skin. So I don't really know how to tell people what I'm up to. Everything, all the things, um, way too much. <laughs> Is there anything out there in the, that you'd consider part of the storytelling world that you are following, that you'd recommend to our listeners? Hmm, well... Tiari Jones's book, An American Marriage, is beautifully written, but I listened to the audio book, and what I notice a lot of my friends who sometimes come to me and be like, hey, how do I tell stories better? I would suggest they listen to this audio book because the people narrating it actually embody the characters, and you can hear the emotion in their voices in, in, in the places where you're supposed to, and it doesn't just feel like someone reading to you. So I would recommend for the audiobook to get an understanding of what you can do when you know your story intensely and how you can come to embody your story as opposed to just memorizing it. Morgan, seriously, thank you. Um, 
where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Optimus underscore Mo uh, and then MorganGivens.com. Got it. We will be stalking you. <laughs> okay. Before we close out this show, we have a special treat. What Morgan didn't know the night he performed this story was just how much it would change his life. So I'm going to go back to the night of the show. Mm-hmm. Your first story, your first performance yep. ever. Your first story performance ever. Yep. <laughs> Tell us what happened afterward. You know what I'm getting at, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, after the show, we all kind of filtered out onto the sidewalk outside of the 930 Club. Um, and I was with my friends, you know, we were standing there and they were like, man, that was such a good show. That was a good show. And then I heard this woman's voice who was like, I really liked your story. Uh, And I looked over and I was like, whoa. Morgan came on stage and my first thoughts were that he was very sexy. (laughs) That deep voice, I think we can all agree. The story was just amazing. Like, I felt he's, he's so talented. And then the other thing I loved about him was that he was a reader. So he had that, like, cool, nerdy thing going on that I'm into. But, yeah, her name, you know, was Catherine. My name's Catherine Hendricks, and I'm about to get married to Morgan Givens. Thank you so much for coming in, Catherine. I'm so psyched to get your side of the story. (laughs) I remember standing on the corner, and I remember the people kind of milling about, and the sun was kind of going down a bit. I think I said, I can't remember word for word, but it was something like, oh, my God, your story was great. You're so talented. Do you have experience doing this? And he said... No, this is my first time, and that blew me away. You know, I just remember being like, man, this woman is gorgeous, and I ran. <laughs> the next day, I get an email from one of the guys in the show. James, I think, was kind of, like, excited about it, and he was like, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll hook you guys up. And I was like, yeah, just send him an email or something and tell him I thought it was cute. And um, that's what James did. And I just remember staring at this email, like, don't play with me, man. Like, there's no way in the world that that woman would ever want to go out with me but I was also like, what do I have to lose? She already knows I'm trans. She heard the story. So. I'm so curious what, having heard his story, how that played into this whole thing. It's such a unique situation. First of all, he knew you had heard his story, so like 10 steps ahead. And then you also had all this knowledge about somebody versus, because maybe if you had just met him on OkCupid okay and he was nervous, maybe you, you wouldn't have gone on the second and third date. Yeah. It probably made our first date a lot better because we were able to get a lot deeper into who we were on the very, from the very first date. We went to 1905 rooftop. And we sat on that rooftop bar. In the summer, beautiful. For about six and a half or seven hours talking. So we talked a lot about like his identity and we talked a lot about my identity. And um, so I'm biracial, but I look white. And we talked a lot about that. So... There were similarities and there were, I think, some areas where we could connect. And, uh, yeah, we started dating. I was so excited about Morgan and about his talent um, that I just sent the video. When the video came out of his story, (laughs) I sent it to everyone, um, including my mom. So she watched it and she responded pretty immediately like, wow, that's great. Like, he's such a talented storyteller. And then I responded back, cool, I just went on a date with him last night, so. (laughs) And it went well. And then it took her like, I think I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) Anyway, it took her like a week or something to write back. (laughs) But that's unusual for her. 
she just said that she needed some time to wrap her head around it. And now she loves him. I mean, she got over it in those two weeks. I mean, it was it made me feel amazing that my dad had no issues at all. And my dad is 78 years old, so um, <laughs> you would think that he would be the one to have the issues. My mom's nine years younger. And actually, my dad's white and my mom's black. And my dad has said before that if any of his family had a problem with him marrying my mom, that they'd be out of his life. It wouldn't matter to him. Um, She was the most important person to him. So he has told me the same thing about Morgan. If anybody has a problem with it, then they don't deserve to be in your life. Yes, storytelling led me to a lot of things I didn't expect, but this was, I think, the biggest thing I did not see coming about getting on stage and telling a story that night. Like, I didn't think I'd leave with a wife, but (laughs) here we are, you know, so. I'm just going to take partial credit. You can have some of that credit. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, that's really it for this episode of Story District Presents. Thank you so much for joining us. Morgan and Catherine got married in June 2018, three years after the night Morgan told this story. To see a photo of them at their wedding, visit our website, storydistrict.org. And while you're there, get tickets to one of our live shows, pitch a story of your own, sign up for a class, or hire our fantastic consulting team for your business or organization. Special thanks to Morgan and Catherine for joining us in the studio this week. Our show is produced by Lizzie Peabody, Ronald Young Jr., Alana Nevins, Nick Hill, and Tim St. Clair. I'm Amy Sedman, and this is Story District Presents. We'll see you next time.